True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. All right. Another week is in the books. Happy Monday and welcome into Fantasy Baseball Today on May 17th. Frank Sample joined as always by Scott White and Chris Towers. Busy show today for you. Recapping the entire weekend. What is going on with Lucas Giolito and Shane Bieber? Some starter sit starting pitchers for this upcoming week. A bunch of waiver wire options. Corey Seager has a fracture in his hand and much more. What's up, Scott? How was your weekend, buddy? Uh, not great. Not great. Oh, I, I lost two very close matchups that I could have won. It was it was in hand. Just needed Shane Bieber to come through with not even the typical Shane Bieber start. Just, you know, not a bad start. He couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. So in, in two head-to-head points leagues this week, I lost as the second highest scoring team. And in one of those leagues, that was the second time already that's happened this year. So that's rough. Yeah. Scott, we're going to, we're going to buy you a, was the second highest scoring team in two different losses banner. So don't worry. You're still going to get one this year. That's great. Love to hear that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Now, I, I know, I know the, the the thing people say is, oh, just don't play head to head. But you know, I, I like fun. the rules. I just don't like the luck. Okay, it's fun. Like this yeah. is I, like it, is it stinks when you're on the bad end. But like you know, some you know to 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 quote that guy in Big Lebowski. Sometimes you eat the bear. Sometimes the bear, you know. Okay. I do. Yeah, that that quote. Yeah, I love that movie. I'm just, I've never seen it. Uh, anyway. <laughs> should see it, man. I should see it. I mean, but I'll add it to the list of whatever, 500 movies that I still need to watch. <laughs> anyway, um, for, for those who play in head-to-head points leagues and this happens to you often, you're kind of on the short end of the stick. Uh, something that I always like to play with, and I, and I do this in football too. I think the top five teams that make the playoffs, assuming you play in a 12-team league and you know six teams make the playoffs, I think the top five should be record and then the six teams should just be the most points after those top five records. It seems like the most fair to thing fair fair thing to do, or you could play weekly doubleheaders, and that kind of knocks some of the luck out of it as well. But it's not the same. Anyway, let's recap the weekend. Oh my good 
goodness gracious! All right, Chris, we'll get things started with you, buddy old boy. Oh, his eyes are lighting up. Normally, I ask them who their oh my goodness gracious players are before we start. I didn't ask anybody today, so I'm going to be 100% surprised with the rest of you. Chris, your oh my goodness gracious player from the weekend. Let's go with Kyle Hendricks. All right. Had his best start of the season today. Eight one-run innings. It was against the Tigers, but you know what? He hadn't been good against anybody so far. Eight strikeouts, zero walks, eight hits, 105 pitches to get through eight innings. He looked like Kyle Hendricks for the most part today. There was a, a a bit more loud contact than you would typically like to see from uh, Kyle Hendricks on the pitching side. But you know what? Average exit velocity loud, 90.6 miles per hour. It's a little high, but it's not so high that it's terribly worrisome. I think this was exactly what you wanted to see from Kyle Hendricks in this start. Yeah, it gives you the volume, goes deep against the Detroit Tigers, a team that actually has been playing much better as of late, but yes. goes eight innings, one run, zero walks, eight strikeouts for Kyle Hendricks in this one. You mentioned the average exit velocity. He allowed 12 hard-hit balls in this game, so I don't think we're yeah. in the clear yet with Kyle Hendricks, but uh, yeah. hopefully a sign of things to come. And Two of his last three have been really good. Yep. Uh, one of those I came think- against the Dodgers, too, so that, that was a legit start. Yes, complete game. Uh, in the doubleheader, seven innings against the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. I think he's fine. I, I, I'm pretty much not worried about him at all now. I mentioned that we have a starter sit segment coming later on, and Kyle Hendricks is in that because I do think, you know, if you play in a 12-team league with either five or six starting pitchers, he might be on that fringe for you, assuming you have some two-star pitchers you want to get in there as well. So, Scott, starter sit Kyle Hendricks this week at the St. Louis Cardinals. I think I'd sit him. I don't know. I I recommended most people sit him against the Tigers, and obviously that could have gone better, but I don't know. I'm, I'm having a hard time with these great pitchers who are bad for a long time, and then knowing when to uh, have them in the lineup, when to just keep taking your lumps. But you know, obviously really like- the Tigers, the worst scoring offense, that there, there was obviously a logical argument to keep Hendricks in the lineup, but you know, I just gotten burned badly by him against the Pirates. So, yeah, he's only really had three really bad. I mean, opening day was three runs and in three innings. That's bad. But in terms like he had that one, he had f- seven earned runs in two different starts and then four in another one. But it's not like he's been Luis Castillo bad um, to <laughs> name but one example. So I feel pretty confident in Kyle Hendricks moving forward. I'm I'm going to just view Kyle Hendricks like Kyle Hendricks at this point. So a must-start starting pitcher, right, Chris? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, three walks in his last four starts after a couple of early games where he walked a couple guys. I think he's Kyle Hendricks. Uh, If you wanted something to make you feel better about starting him this week, the St. Louis Cardinals are 25th in weighted on base average versus right-handed pitching, so a fairly decent matchup here coming up this week for Kyle Hendricks. Scott, your oh my goodness gracious player from the weekend. I think I'm going to go with Dylan Bundy, who probably needs to be added to this list of starters who've been bad for a while. You know, after his last start, I was marveling that his ERA is over five, despite having five out of seven quality starts at that point. Well, now his ERA is over six because he had his worst start yet on Saturday. Yeah, I don't really think anything's wrong with them. I mean, the XFIP is just a little higher than it was last year, and it was lower than, you know, before this start. The XERA is about 3.5. He, he's actually throwing his fastball 
almost two miles per hour harder on average than he did last year. And the spin rate is way up on all of his pitches. So I, I feel like we should be seeing an even better Bundy this year. Now, last year he had like an ERA 320, probably had some good home run luck. So I'm not saying he should have an ERA that low again, but mid threes, I, I think that's about right for what you should expect from Bundy. And um, it's just it's just unfortunate that the last two starts have gone how they they have. I, I think I'd be sticking with him for now because I do still trust him rest of season. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. And I, I was surprised to see that he is the sixth most dropped starting pitcher on CBS leagues. Now, you know, his roster rate has dropped eight percentage points. So from 91% to 83%. So maybe that accounts for some 10 team leagues where people have absolutely stacked pitching. But I, I still think that I would want to hold on to Dylan Bunny myself for the reasons that you mentioned, Scott. And I also had him as one of these fringy starter sit pitchers, same category as Kyle Hendricks for this upcoming week. And he is going up against the Minnesota Twins at home. So, Scott, would you start him there? I think I'd have to be in a pretty shallow league with some pretty good pitching alternatives to sit him. And, and look, I, I could see it in like a head-to-head league, five pitchers started, you know, you got enough two-start options that somebody you have to bump somebody. Maybe it makes sense to bump Bundy. But unless it's obvious that Bundy's the one who needs to sit, I'd probably just start him. And the Minnesota Twins this year are seventh in weighted on base average versus right-handed pitching. So... A little bit of a tougher matchup, not a little bit, a a bona fide tougher matchup than the St. Louis Cardinals are for Kyle Hendricks this upcoming week. Let's talk about Lucas Giolito. He's my, oh my goodness gracious, player from the weekend. And you might have forgot because he started all the way back on Friday. But at the Kansas City Royals, he allowed five runs over six innings pitch, did finish with seven strikeouts, three more walks. The ERA now up to 4.97. The walks per nine. A three-year high, 3.9 walks per nine for Lucas Giolito. He has 11 walks over his last four starts. He's also allowing a lot more home runs this year as well, which is kind of weird because really to this point, we've been talking about everyone's home run to fly ball ratio kind of uh, being a little bit more suppressed than we're used to seeing. So, uh, Chris, what is going on with Lucas Giolito? How much confidence do you have in him getting back on track? I'm pretty confident in him. You know, like Luis Castillo, the the results have been really bad so far. you know, especially with his slider, Lucas Giolito's, he has a 450 Woba. It's bad. Allowed on the slider, 382 X Woba, so still really bad. Whiff rate down from 53% last season to 31% this season. So one of his main put-away pitches has uh, really betrayed him. As far as the why this is happening, that's a much tougher question to answer. Um, you know, he's throwing his... Fastball almost a mile per hour lower than he did in 2019, which was the breakout season. Uh, but he's throwing his changeup and slider harder. Maybe he needs more separation between those pitches. I don't know exactly what the answer is there, but you know he he's a weird pitcher in that he's had a lot of fluctuation in terms of like his extension on various pitches, the the distance from the pitching rubber to where he releases the ball. And so it could be something as simple as just his mechanics are a little off and he's not getting the kind of movement that he needs to get on his slider for it to be effective. I don't know. You know, I, I can't say I've, I've delved deeply into that enough, but um, the slider does seem to be the main issue for Giolito right now. And, you know, I, 
I think you can take some positives from that. Like his changeup is his primary secondary pitch, and that's been as good as ever. So on on that account, I think that's a reason to be positive because the slider, you know, it does seem as if it's mostly just he's having some trouble finishing batters off uh, with, you know, when he's trying to put them away with the with the slider, I would guess. Um, I'm going to look it up now, but I would guess he has some reverse split issues when I when I look at this. Um, and yeah, he's getting crushed by right-handed hitters. 86 OPS allowed to righties. 574 versus lefties. And so that makes sense. His slider hasn't been effective. Uh, historically, he hasn't really had a big platoon split. So I think there are reasons to explain why he's been bad, but I don't think they are necessarily reasons to significantly drop him in your estimation. Yeah, I agree. It's, he's missing bats like he is. Like He's going to come around. It's a 497 ERA through eight starts. Two years ago, his breakout season, he had an eight-start stretch with a 570 ERA. So, you know, it happens. It happens. Even last year, I was looking at last year's game log, and, you know, last year we think was even better than that breakout season. Uh, but to end the year, he had, let's see, was an ERA over four over his final five starts. So I just think he's he's the kind of pitcher who's going to run really hot at times. And he's going to have these blips at times. Like he just doesn't have the level of consistency you see from other high-end starters, which has been true of Luis Castillo over his career. Yep. Um, and I think it's... I mean, look at the past couple of years, it's been true of Giolito too. But I, I think this stuff is, is going to be fine. I think he's going to be fine. Working through some inconsistency issues, would you guys keep him in the lineup this week at the Minnesota Twins? Yes. Yeah, I think so. All right, just an honorable mention. We've got to talk about Shane Bieber. We was getting a few tweets earlier on Sunday and at the Seattle Mariners. Bieber just looks kind of off a little bit right now having some issues with control, some first pitch strikes uh, that he's not getting the way that he has in years past. Four and two-thirds, three three earned runs, four walks, seven strikeouts. His 20-start streak with eight-plus strikeouts is now over. He has three or more walks in five of nine starts this year. The whip is up to 1.22. Anything here with Shane Bieber, or is this just kind of a weird thing going on with him? I, th- I think it's a case of him being a little off, too. You point out the walk totals, five of nine this year, three or more. And I think last year it was like three of 12 or something like that. Yeah, three of 12 last year with three walks or more. So that's atypical for him. I, I think he's just going through a little bit of a rough patch, basically. I think he's going to come out the other side fine and be one of the best three pitchers in baseball still. He's just kind of fighting it right now. Yeah, yeah. I think like his slider looks a little different. This year, he's throwing it harder and getting a lot more spin. His spin rate up is up about 150 RPM from last season. That kind of drastic change, maybe he's just having a little bit of trouble, you know, controlling it, throwing it for strikes as often, and he's, you know, backed away from his cutter especially. So, you know, it could be just that he's kind of traded cutters for sliders, and sliders are harder to throw for strikes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I noticed that his his cutter usage last year he threw that pitch sixteen percent of the time. This year he's it's non existent. He's not using it. I wonder if he's throwing it was his, his worst pitch. Yeah, 
I wonder if he's throwing his slider harder. If he he kind of just made like a hybrid pitch between like his cutter and his slider this year, and maybe he's just having some issues with that. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, maybe the pitch mix yeah. is a little bit different. And the the thing that really pointed out to me, and and even watching the start, he was getting squeezed a little bit on Sunday. I was watching the Mariners feed. I had to watch Jared Kelnick because why not? It's fun. But um, the Mariners feed was even saying like. Come on, this is Shane Bieber. This is a Cy Young Award winner, and he's he's not getting these calls. So there were a lot of like close calls he just wasn't getting. So he was getting squeezed a little bit. Uh, 58% first pitch strike percentage so far for Bieber this season. That is a career low. It's never been below yeah. 63%. So if anyone in your league is freaking out about Bieber, send those trade offers in. It is. I mean, I mean they're probably not. He still has a 317 oh, yeah. ERA. Yeah. <laughs> but. It's probably, yeah, it's, it's going to be a. Not impossible. Nothing is impossible, but yeah. probably cl- you know close to it. It is PGA Championship Week, and the first cut has your podcast needs covered for golf's second major. Join Rick Gaiman, K- Kyle Porter, and Mark Immelman live every single day for the 2021 PGA Championship at Kiawa Islands, famed ocean course just outside Charleston, South Carolina. From DFS previews to worthwhile wagers and even round-by-round recaps, the first cut has it. Find the first cut on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and even live on YouTube. What the heck is Frank wearing? If you are watching on YouTube, I am watching a very flamboyant, colorful jersey. This is the Los Dorados de Sacramento. It is a special edition jersey from the Sacramento Rivercats, the AAA affiliate for the San Francisco Giants. And I won their giveaway. So I just wanted to give a nice little shout out there to the Sacramento Rivercats. Follow them on Twitter, at Rivercats. Check them out, rivercats.com, the home of Giants prospect Joey Bart. He's currently playing there. Maybe we'll see him at some point this year. Would would be fun. Some news and notes from the weekend. Corey Seager will not require surgery, but will miss at least four weeks after fracturing the fifth metacarpal in his right hand. If you need a shortstop replacement, who do you guys like most? Gavin Lux. Started at shortstop on Sunday. I know he's one of your sleeper hitters this week, Scott. He is 60% rostered. Josh Rojas, his last 15 games, the guy is mashing. 379 batting average, four homers, one steal. He's 68% rostered. And Brandon Crawford, I, where does this come from? Last 15 games, he's batting 318. He's got six homers and a steal. 45% rostered. Lux, Rojas, Crawford. Who's your favorite? Uh, of those three, Rojas, I, I think they're all fine. You you really can't do much better at shortstop mm-hmm. off the waiver wire, unfortunately. However, one glaring omission there, I think, is Nico Horner, who just returned from the IL. True. And he's rostered in less than 50% of leagues. He's he's more available than both Lux and Rojas. So where would he fall in this group, Scott? I, I think he'd be number one for me, Horner. Oh, okay. Some more Dodgers news. David Price will be activated Monday, and A.J. Pollock was placed on the I.L. with a left hamstring injury. The team signed Albert Pujols and also traded with the Rays for Yoshi Sutsugo. Any interest in either in, I would have to imagine, the deepest of leagues. And only, <laughs> they're going to come available. Yeah, well, there was uh, a report that the Dodgers kind of talked to Yoshi Sutsugo and told him like they identified some flaws in his swing that you know they think they can turn around, and obviously this is an organization with a very strong history of turning relative nobodies into very good players. You know, your your Chris Taylors, and even this season, someone like Matt Beattie, uh, Max Muncy. So it's possible there's something there. He's still, you know, his ag- max exit velo this year is still very high. I just, 
I need to see it first. But yeah, he's worth adding in NL only leagues just because he's active. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the name there, Yoshi Susugo, now with the Dodgers. Ronald Acuna missed all three games this weekend with that left ankle injury he suffered on Thursday. He remains day-to-day. Jazz Chisholm was activated and leading off for the Marlins on Sunday. Jacob deGrom is scheduled to throw a bullpen session on Tuesday. He could return as early as Friday against the Marlins if all goes well during that bullpen. JT Real Muto and Bryce Harper both left Saturday's game with injuries. Neither was in the lineup on Sunday. Giancarlo Stanton didn't play any games this weekend due to left quad tightness. Cattell Marte will start a rehab assignment on Monday. Ty France was placed on the IL Friday with a le- with left wrist inflammation. He was hit by a pitch on his forearm on April 28th. He was just 3 for 45 in 13 games after being hit by that pitch on his forearm. So perhaps that is the reason why he was struggling so mightily. Aaron Hicks was placed in the IL and may need surgery to replace a torn tendon sheath in his left wrist. The Yankees selected 32-year-old outfielder Ryan Lamar, though prospect Estevan Florial's name was brought up. Florial was recently promoted to AAA. It's got a name that we need to be paying attention to in uh, AL only, obviously, like Dynasty Leagues, he's probably owned already, but Estevan Florial with the Yankees. I haven't seen what he's doing this year. I, I feel like his stock has fallen pretty sharply the past few years. Um, the batting average take, is low last I checked. I think it was like 229 in double A. Four homers in 10 games. Well, four homers. Overall. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't know. Well, he's not somebody I'm particularly excited about at this point. No. I mean, he, he has been a pretty... A few years ago, he was considered a pretty high-end prospect, but the last time he was in the top 100 was heading into the 2018 season. Yeah, and, you know, it's not crazy for Yankees prospects to get overhyped, as we've seen in the past. Jesus Lozardo has continued playing catch from 60 feet over the last several days, but has yet to throw a bullpen session. Both Michael Conforto and Jeff McNeil left Sunday with hamstring tightness. Jose Peraza could be in for more playing time, though he's been playing more recently as four hits over his last four games, including a three-run homer he hit this weekend. Jose Urquidy was placed on the 10-day IL with right shoulder discomfort. Steven Strasburg made a rehab start at AAA on Sunday. He struck out six over four and a third shutout and finished with 75 pitches. Kenta Maeda received treatment for groin soreness after Sunday's start. It was another mad performance from him. He was in line to start against Cleveland. Would you guys take the chance and leave him in the lineup or just get him out? I mean, I'd, I'd go with Hendricks or Bundy or basically any of those struggling pitchers we talked about over him. I, I do want to point out, if there if there's something to be encouraged about with Maeda, the whiff rate in his last two starts now on the splitter, the whiff rate on the splitter, which was his best pitch last year, it, it's been back to normal at two starts in a row. I mean, neither of the starts is good. So I don't know how to square that, but I take that as a good sign. But clearly he's not must start at this point. Charlie Blackman is dealing with a mild groin strain and was not in the lineup on Sunday. Jake Odorizzi will begin a rehab assignment on Monday. James Caprillion will be skipped during the next turn through the A's rotation, so he will not have two starts this week as previously expected. Luke Weaver was pulled Sunday due to right shoulder discomfort. Tyler O'Neill is day-to-day with a sprained left middle finger. And some prospect updates from the weekend. Wander Franco hit a grand slam on Saturday. His teammate, Vidal Brujan, 
added another home run and another steal this weekend. He's up to five homers and three steals. Was more so known for that speed tool coming in, but we spoke about him a little bit last week. The power seems kind of legit, at least early on. Joe Adele is now up to four homers and two steals, but has 17 strikeouts in 10 games. And if you're interested in going back, I did a prospect update kind of review of what's going on so far with the Welsh on our YouTube channel. So you could go and check that out. He kind of gave his scouting report on the Mariners guys and Alec Manoa and a bunch of other big names in the minors right now. So that's on our YouTube channel right I wanna, now. If I can mention something about Bruhan real quick. Sure. He's a switch hitter. And in the past, the scouting reports talked about, oh, he has, he has popped from the left side at least. Three of his five home runs have come from the right side. So that's... That makes it especially interesting. I saw that he has more walks than strikeouts to this point as well. I think it's nine walks to eight yeah. strikeouts. So pretty good plate discipline or, early on for... Wouldn't it be Ruben. funny if you beat Franco to the majors? <laughs> I mean, he's three years older. Yeah. It might happen. Yeah, he's been I, playing He's been playing a lot. Out. He's just, you know, naturally a middle infielder. He's been playing the outfield a lot, though, in the minors. Yeah. No, and there's like... Like shortstop isn't as big of a need. As the outfield seems to be right now for the Rays. Yeah. Yeah. They really don't have much offense. Rosarena is coming around a little bit more, as is Austin Meadows, but they've been a team that's been swinging and missing all year long. And, you know, they, we know what the Rays are. They're built on pitching in their bullpen and defense. But, uh, yeah, Bruhan's been playing all over in the minor leagues, been playing second base, third base, some shortstop in the outfield as well. So, might wind up being a utility guy for. The Rays, which is not a bad thing. He'll still find a way to play every single day. Their whole team. Utility guys. Yeah, basically, right? Uh, let's take a look at some of those other fringe starting pitchers for this upcoming week. This is uh, week eight in fantasy baseball. We'll start with Aaron Savale at the Mariners this weekend. He allowed five runs over six and two-thirds. He has a 4.33 ERA over his last four starts. And this week, he is at the Angels. Start or sit in a 12-team league? Uh, probably start. I mean... Yeah, probably start. He's not a pitcher I've ever given much thought to sitting. All right. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. How about Dylan Cease? He's been, he's just kind of okay in two starts since that 11 strikeout game. And he's going up against the Yankees this week in Yankee Stadium. But be surprised to know the Yankees have actually struggled against right handed pitching this year. They're 18th and weighted on base average. So Dylan Cease at the Yankees, start or sit? I don't think there's any way I could start Dylan. I don't think he's earned that. I mean, he does have a, what, 280 ERA this year? Just yeah. not not deep enough in the starts overall. Um, yeah. But you, you mentioned the last two starts were met, Frank. One of those was a 20-whiff effort. And, like, the remember when I pointed out how he made that, uh, when he kind of turned on the 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 um, spin rate on mm-hmm. his pitches? Like, his fastball and slider are both among the highest spin pitches in baseball. That That's held over these past few mm-hmm. starts. So, He's I mean, just, I'm not, I'm not saying I definitely start him. Depends what else I have, but I wouldn't be afraid to start him. I guess he's he's too walk and uh, fly ball prone to start against the Yankees. I think is that at Yankee Stadium too? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that's what makes it even more scary is that he walks so many, and the Yankees just have like the best plate discipline in the league. So yeah, they they swing and miss a lot, but they they take a lot of pitches as well. So I could see that being a short outing for Dylan Cease this upcoming week. I'd probably lean towards sitting him in a, in a 12-teamer. How about Nick Pavetta? I think more so as a spark, but he's been solid. The ERA is all the way down to 3.16. He is doing it while walking a ton. 
Uh, six shutout this week, uh, six innings of two-run ball, rather, excuse me, with seven strikeouts against the Angels. This upcoming week, he is at the Toronto Blue Jays. All right, so Cease's ERA is actually 241. He lowered it on Sunday. Uh, no, I wouldn't start Pavetta. I wasn't enthusiastic about starting him, even when he was in line for two starts this past week. Fair enough. We already talked about Kyle Hendricks. Let's move ahead to Cole Irvin, who this weekend, six and two-thirds, one earn, only two walks, only two strikeouts, uh, which was against the Twins. Pretty impressive. But the ERA down to 3.02. Starter sit Cole Irvin at the Angels. I would hope I have better options. <laughs> I mean, he's 68% yeah. coming off a two-start week, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think going to go down. What makes him tempting in points leagues, and I actually have him in one, is that he's RP eligible, and he keeps, you know, how many quality starts in a row is it? It's like six or something that he's up to. Um, but I just, it's going to fall apart eventually. I look at that 431 XFIP and I'm like, yeah, yeah you got you to gotta play that one carefully. Which spark would you rather start? Nick Pavetta at the Blue Jays or Cole Irvin at the Angels? Um, I think actually Irvin. <laughs> I was forced <laughs> to start one, but I don't really want to. All right. Last but not least, we said on Friday you can't start him. Somebody pointed out to me via email maybe it was a tweet this weekend that Luis Castillo, while he's been awful everywhere, he is better at home. He's got an, he's got an ERA over 10 on the road. He's got a 5.49 ERA <laughs> at home. Uh, his two starts this week are against the giants and the brewers. They both come at home in great American ballpark. Uh, no, no, nowhere. No, can't nope. start him. Nope. All right. He is in my two start pitcher rankings. He is the highest ranked of the no thanks group. So yes. no thanks. Yes, Chris says yes. Yes. Oh, he's doing it. Uh, <laughs> I'll break the, the turnaround. Time. Happens. You guys were all saying there's no way you can start Kyle Hendricks. Oh, he stinks. He's finished. He should retire. <laughs> Direct quote from both of you just last <laughs> week. And look at him now. Actually, what were no, you someone did at the time. I don't remember you taking. I said a there's no thing. way you can start him at Coors. Castillo, yeah, but we're talking about Hendricks against the Tigers. Oh, I said I didn't have any problem with him. Okay. All right. Well, and as someone pointed that. out, like 12 days ago, there was a drop Patrick Corbin headline in the FBT feed. And now there was a drop Luis Castillo feed uh, headline. So I think I had a question mark. In you know, it. it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I always put, is this person droppable? Yeah. yeah. So it's, yeah. it's, it's yeah. to draw you, you turn the it into in. a question. You're just yeah. presenting the topic. You're not yeah. saying it's not a declarative headline. 17 strikeouts, five walks in 14 innings this week. Oh, man. I You know what? Put I, it on the board. I hope so. You can put it on the board. I hope so because <laughs> I have I have a few Castillo shares and, and it's not good. I am currently benching him wherever I have him. We're going to take a quick break, but when we return, we have to talk about offense eventually. We'll talk about some hitters, some stud starting pitchers as well, and of course the waiver wire will do that next here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. 
Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. We had a bunch of dingers this weekend. We'll start with Aaron Judge, who had a double dong on, I believe it was Friday. Four home runs total this weekend. Apologies to anybody who faced Aaron Judge in a points league and, or in any type of head-to-head matchup because you got crushed. Aaron Judge <laughs> is now tied for the league lead with 12 home runs with who? Shohei Otani. He had two more home runs this weekend. And... Uh, the other name is Mitch Hanniger. So there you go. It's, I think it's a four-way tie at this point. Mitch Hanniger, Aaron Judge, Shohei Otani, and Ronald Acuna, who didn't even play at all this weekend. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. homered in three straight. He is now up to 11 home runs. Jared Kelnick had three hits on Friday, including two doubles. And his first home run of the season, it came off of Aaron Savale. Eduardo Escobar had a double dong on Saturday with seven. That's right. You heard it right. Seven RBI. He is actually... One of the most dropped players in CBS right now as well. Scott, should you be holding on to Eduardo Escobar? No, I don't think you need to. He had been pretty lousy leading up to this home run, and I wasn't... You know, he's he's going to hit his share of home runs, but I don't think there's much else there. And it just depends on how much of a need you have at either of the positions he's eligible. Uh, I do want to mention with Judge, I, I feel like this is the best version of Judge we've ever seen. Tell me. His strikeout rate is... Around 27%. That's amazing for him. XBA, 335 coming into today's game. X slug, 652. Uh, The batting average is well... The XBA is well higher than during that amazing 2017 season. The X slug's about the same. I was surprised to see how few head-to-head points per game he has considering. I think the rest of the Yankees lineup is killing him. His run and RBI totals are pretty low. Uh, considering how many home runs he has, but I I do think that'll correct itself over time. And you know, the only concern with Judge is always is if he can keep that that big body on the field. Mm-hmm. But uh, while it's there, he's he's somebody to he's awesome. uh, yeah, it's awesome. He has been moved down to number three in the lineup, so hopefully that can help with those RBI totals. Uh, for years, he was batting second, and they moved Stanton up to number two. Stanton hasn't played this weekend, uh, as I mentioned. But, yeah, maybe we could get more counting stats from Aaron Judge. I can already hear Chris groaning before I even ask this question, but should we be looking to sell high on Aaron Judge while he's healthy? No. I mean, if you're comfortable, I mean, like, <laughs> if you feel like you're in a place where you can sell an elite hitter, go for it, man. But that that ain't me in any leagues. So I'm just going to ride it. Yeah, it, it, it's hard to find hitting. We talk about it basically every week, although things are coming coming around. We're going to talk about that probably more on, on tomorrow's podcast. I saw an, a, a good tweet from you this weekend, Scott, about how offense is up in May, and uh, there are a few hitters that are making adjustments, so I want to talk about some of those guys throughout the course of this week. Yeah, Aaron Judge, getting it done. Just stay healthy, bud. Some studs being studs in the rotation. I had two names that I wanted to ask you guys about. Kevin Gosman. Guy has been ridiculous at the Pirates. I get it, whatever. It's the Pirates on Friday, but eight innings, one run, zero walks, 12 strikeouts, 21 swinging strikes on 96 pitches. He is now a top eight starting pitcher in both head-to-head points leagues and is and in Roto. Buy or sell, Kevin Gosman is a top 20 starting pitcher in fantasy baseball. I think we got a new magical team. <laughs> team capable of doing magical things. And that team is the Giants. Because <laughs> this is the best Kevin Gosman we've ever seen. And I 
I could have said that last year, but now I'm saying it this year all over again. I, I don't I don't see anything to complain about. Any any major red flags or anything. Do you, Chris? Besides the typical, like it's a small sample size still, but we are going on what 90 innings of this now, dating back to last season, a little more than that, actually 112. No, I mean, he mostly looks pretty good. I think there's been good luck in terms of, you know, results on balls in play. But when you have a 184 ERA, chances are, unless you're Jacob deGrom, you've had a little bit of good luck. So it's not so egregious that I think it's, it screams sell. Like he, he seems to have turned into the strikeout pitcher that we were hoping he would be way back when. And, um, you know, as long as that's true, you can live with the fact that he still does get hit pretty hard. When you update your rankings this week, Chris, will Kevin Gosman climb inside your top 20? Not top 20. No, okay. no. So you're selling I, I, 31 right now. I'm going to move him up to. I might put him in my 20. I have him at 20 right now. It's just behind Alcantara and Zach Wheeler, just ahead of Rodon, John Means and, and Charlie Morton. And There's Luis some Castillo. guys that I'm struggling to move down. Well, Zach Gallon's going to be pretty easy to move down now. I need right, to get him yeah. Down. I did that um, one already. Musgrove struggling to move him down, but I think you could justify it. Yep. Yeah, like if if you had Kevin Gosman and someone offered you Blake Snell. Yeah. I would not. I, already, I would not. I, already have Gosman I would do that. Yeah. That would be really hard to do. I would I would definitely hold on to Gosman. Agreed. Um, yeah, I don't know. Ian Anderson? I would keep yeah, I would Gosman. hold on to Gosman. I would keep Gosman. If someone yeah, offered me pretty good. If someone offered me Castillo, I would keep Gosman. Yep. Yeah, I have Gosman yeah. at twenty five currently. Let's just say twenty four because Gallon's going to be out of there for sure. So it, really, it's more about versus Gosman versus Rodon and Alcantara, who had a, a bad start. Nothing worried about him. Um, yeah. Like the Zach Wheeler, Jose Barrios, Hyunjin Ryu class, where you're just like, well, there's nothing wrong with them. Yeah. Yeah. But, but do they have that kind of upside, right? The way that right. Gosman's exactly. kind of pitching right now, it's, yeah, I, I think rightfully so. He has moved his his way ahead of those guys. How about Freddie Peralta? Just keeps getting it done as well. This time against the Braves, one of the best lineups in baseball. Six shutout on Sunday, two hits, one walk, eight strikeouts, 21 swinging strikes on 88 pitches. The ERA down to 2.40 for Freddie Peralta. Buy or sell, Peralta is a top 30 starting pitcher. I have him 34 currently. I could make the case to move him into the 30. Let's see. Yeah, I'm going to sell for now, but not by much. Not by much. I I do worry about workload long term, but three of his past four starts have been six plus, I believe. And so they're 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 letting him work like a starter. So that's kind of that that consideration is off the table. It's just how long will he be free to do that? I keep waiting for teams to figure him out a little bit because he still relies on just two pitches. He's very fastball and slider heavy where, you know, in the past he would throw his fastball 70 plus percent of the time. Now right. it's in that 50, Not anymore. 50 to 60% range and, and he uses his slider basically the rest of the time. But we, we saw, but it, we saw my understanding is his fastball is kind of more than one pitch in and of itself. He yeah. varies it a lot. Yep. So, and he's and always it, been so hard to hit. Yeah. Like he, he's just, he's always going to run low hits per nine. The, the biggest change so far, I mean, one walk and four of his love, five of his, sorry, four of his last five starts. 
if that's real, then he's probably a top 30 starting pitcher, even with the workload concerns. He's only thrown more than 93 pitches once, but you know, 90 plus in four of nine, it's probably better than I would have expected given that he started out in the bullpen. Uh, I have him 37, but as I've said many times over the last couple of weeks, there is very little separating like number 18 from number 40 right now. Yeah. So I don't know if it's too rash, but it's why would I want Blake Snell or Kenta Maeda ahead of instead of Freddie Peralta right now? Right? Well, the way that he's pitching, it's because history didn't start on April 14th. Sure. Like that's the answer. I don't want to be too flippant, but like Freddie Peralta has been awesome yes. for like seven starts, which well, are five starts really. And like, that's great, but he's thrown 237 innings in his career with a 424 ERA. He has made changes. He is developing. He is young, but like there is still a reason Freddie Peralta was mostly undrafted in most leagues, 12 team leagues at least. And Blake Snell was a top 40 overall player for, I believe, all three of us. But Blake, so like, Blake but at the Snell same has, time, we, we've been holding on to that 2018 yeah, Cy Young sure, season for Snell sure. for a long time. And it's sure. been. He's been mediocre for basically his past 30 starts. I think it's like a 3.99 just, just ERA. Look, just looking at the ratios before you even consider he well, has had a six inning including, start since yeah. late, since midway through 2019. Is that including the playoff run last year? Including the playoff no. run, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, I mean like his ERA. Oh, yeah. I, that 399 over the last 30 starts. No, no. We know he got had bad luck in 2019. That was something that we all talked about at the time. He was striking out more batters than ever. He had a really high BABIP. He basically had like two really bad starts, I think, and he was dealing with injuries. Last year, it was frustrating. You know, he only threw 50 innings on 11 starts, but he had a 324 ERA. I just like... I think it is worth remembering who Blake Snell has been, despite the fact that it has been a frustrating ride overall. And I haven't really drafted him kind of since 2018. But, you know, I, I think it's worth acknowledging, like, we're still talking about a much better track record than Freddie Peralta's, who I like a lot. Yeah. No, I hear what you're saying. It's that's why I don't I don't want to be too reactionary, but I I thought it was something worth bringing up uh, as as Freddie Peralta is ascending up the rankings. Yeah. Let's take a look at some waiver wire catchers. If you need a catcher in a one catcher league, a few names that might be available for you. Jan Gomes went five for six with a triple and four triple really with a triple and four singles. He is batting two eighty six. I believe that was either on. Friday or Saturday, the Nationals had a crazy game. It was like 17 runs scored. Uh, he is 37% rostered and has seven games this week. For How about William Contreras, who is 30% rostered in 11 games since Travis Darno went down. He's batting 263 with three homers. Omar Nervaez went three for four with a double and an RBI on Sunday. He is batting 359. He just returned on Thursday. 67% rostered. And Austin Nola. Had a huge game on Saturday, went three for five with a homer, six RBI. He is 46% rostered. Gomes, William Contreras, Nervaez, Austin Nola. And at one catcher league if you need one. Nervaez uh, is... Nervaez for sure. Yeah. Cool. Um, he, he's kind of having the season we were hoping he would have last season when he first got traded to the Brewers. Right. Um, and I like that he's picked up where he left off, coming off the IL. Um, and... Nola, you know, you mentioned, or I guess you didn't mention, but it's here in the notes. He's played at second and first base so far. He is a converted shortstop. 
I believe. I think he was converted fairly late into his career, like his mid twenties. So, you know, that's interesting. I don't know how it matter, how much it matters, except that, you know, it could get him in the lineup more. Yep. And a lineup that is depleted right now with no Tatis, but still, it, you know, they do have some big names up there. So some RBI opportunities, as long as he's hitting in the middle there, but Omar Nervaez, the favorite for these gents, Let's take a look at some other waiver wire hitters that might be available. Of these names, these are all rostered in, I believe it's 52% or less. So they're pretty available. Ian Happ went three for four with a home run, a double, two runs, and two RBI on Sunday. He is 50% rostered. Tommy Pham has four hits with a home run and a steal over his last five games. Robbie Grossman's last seven. He's batting 429, 43% rostered. Dylan Moore. Batting average is still kind of low, but he's coming around. He's got three homers, three steals in May. Uh, Bobby Dahlbeck has five hits with two home runs over his last four games. Harrison Bader in 16 games this season. He's batting 269, four homers, two steals. Jonathan VR, he homered off of Tyler Glass now on Friday. He has 13 straight starts for the New York Mets. Hap, Pham, Grossman, Dylan Moore, Bobby Dahlbeck, Harrison Bader, and Jonathan VR. Your favorites, if anyone stands out to you. I think Grossman's about the point where if you need outfield help, really in any format, he's somebody you need to to make a play for. Beth lead off most of the time. He's actually underperforming his expected stats. He's already stolen seven bases. Uh, always been a great on base guy. You know, bat- batting lead off for the Tigers doesn't mean as much as batting lead off for. I was going to say the Yankees, but you know, a, a good hitting team. <laughs> but. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's shown flashes in the past, and I think he's I think he's to that point. I don't want to give up on Ian Happ. Uh, he is swinging and missing a ton. Overall, his uh, let me see what's his his chase now his yeah he's just like swinging and missing seventy one percent zone contact rate uh, whiff rate is thirty seven percent all of those are career worse or right up there with the career worse but. He's hitting the ball really hard when he is making contact. And, um, you know, coming into the season, but since he came back from AAA, he had been on something like a 40 homer pace over 2019 and 2020. So I still believe in him. Um, If he's out there, I think he's worth a a look. Some waiver wire pitchers who are rostered in less than 60% of CBS leagues. Brady Singer on Sunday, six and a third, two runs, seven strikeouts. He is up against the Tigers this week. Shane McClanahan picked up his first win of the season on Saturday against the Mets. He had seven he went strike- deep enough to get a win. Yeah, he Who did. Knew? And he, he threw 75 pitches, and he's now thrown either 75 or 80 in each of his past two starts. So his first yeah. two, the, the, that was 65 or less. So, I mean, they're working up the pitch count a little bit here for Shane McClanahan. Um, Mike Miner, he was at the White Sox this weekend, seven inning. Seven innings, one run, seven strikeouts. Griffin Canning at the Red Sox, six innings, two runs, seven strikeouts. Luis Garcia up against the Rangers. Doesn't go deep, but continues to get it done. Five innings, one run, five strikeouts. And Drew Smiley has allowed just one earned run over his last two starts. He's only 26% rostered. So between Singer, McClanahan, Mike Miner, Griffin Canning, Luis Garcia, Drew Smiley, your favorite. You probably have to go McClanahan here. If if they're if if they're showing they're not going to limit him to four innings every time, I mean, obviously there's a lot of strikeout potential there, a lot of upside. I do really like Luis Garcia, and Jose Urquidy just went 
on the uh, on the IO with I think it was shoulder inflammation or something. So one of those injuries that's vague enough that you don't really know how much time he's going to miss. But with Fromber Valdez beginning a rehab assignment, uh, I was worried that Garcia might not have much staying power. If Rakiti's out too, you know, maybe he does. Maybe he does. I'm, I'm really interested in Luis Garcia's good whiff rate, diverse arsenal, really good minor league track record, and uh, been pretty reliable here as short as his starts have been. I know. I'll, I'll, I'll give some love to Brady Singer, who uh, got rocked in his first start, five earned runs and three and a third on April 4th. Since then, he has a 306 ERA with 35K and 35 and a third innings, only averaging five innings per start in that span. But he's had like two really low short starts, and then he's gone five and two thirds and four out of eight or seven overall. So. I think he's probably better than the overall numbers look, and I, I just added him last week in Tout Wars and pretty happy with what he gave me this week. All right, let's take a look at some deeper leagues, some hitters that might be available. Jock Peterson is batting 400 with a 25% strikeout rate in 10 games since returning from the IL. He's 31% rostered. David Dahl over his last seven. He's batting 280 with two homers and one steal. Yandy Diaz has seven hits over his last four games with a 17% walk rate to uh, just a 13% strikeout rate on the season. It's still way too many ground balls. Uh, and Jonathan Scope, he has nine hits over his last six games. He is 12% rostered. So if you are in a deeper league, guys, Jock Peterson, David Dahl, Yandy Diaz, Jonathan Scope, any interest? Jock Peterson is probably the most interesting, even though it looks like he's been sitting against lefties again. He's, he's going he's gonna to have a power surge here sooner or later where he hits a bunch of home runs in a short period of time, and everyone's going to be like, how could he have been so available? <laughs> and then by the time his his percentage gets up over 80, he'll, he'll have another offer, and everybody will drop him and miss out. So now's the time to pick him up before that home <laughs> run surge has happened. Yandi in a, an OBP league. He's got 408 OB, OBP for the season. And man, if he really could just like elevate the ball a little bit, he would be good. <laughs> like this was like this. Like I remember, there was a lot of like, "Wow, the the Rays, what a brilliant they fixed Yandy Diaz." And it's like, well, now he's never had a launch angle above six degrees in his career. <laughs> yeah. Um, if he ever did, though, I think he would be like he could be a must start player. There are must start player skills. Well, he there with Yandy Diaz. But two years ago, he was pretty close to must start. Yeah, he was. Yeah, I can't remember. Was he not playing every day or did he get hurt? Because he only played 79 games. I, I think he got hurt. He got hurt, yeah. 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 And I, originally, when, when the Rays traded for Yandy Diaz, that's what they said. They said, look, we found a flaw in his swing. We're going to fix it. And it hasn't really <laughs> happened yet. But, oh, man. Chris, you're right. I, you brought up the word beefcake last week to, to describe uh, Jared Kelnick. Yandy yeah. Diaz. That man is a beefcake, so if he can ever figure it out, uh, could be a lot of power there. Um, but yeah, I do like him in OBP format, some some deeper points leagues as well. Uh, some pitchers in deeper leagues. Vince Velasquez, he is 9% rostered. He versus the Marlins this week. Eric Fetty at the Diamondbacks on Sunday. He had pitched seven shutout. He's 10% rostered. He's up against the Orioles this week. And Martin Perez pitched six shutout against the Angels this weekend. Uh, he is at the Phillies. All three of these pitchers are 15% roster or less. I mean, I don't see much to like about any of them. I feel like Vince Velasquez, his performance is what we always hoped it would be from him, but 
not an, not enough underlying changes there for me to buy into it. Yeah. Uh, shouts to Eric Fetty for helping me continue to beat the odds in the Scott White Dynasty League. He's been a mainstay in the rotation and <laughs> just keeping his head above water long enough to to help me out. So shouts to my guy. I lost by one point in the Scott White Dynasty League to Al Melchior because I had Nate Pearson in my lineup, but he got sent down after lineups lock. So was, I am I am uh, five and one somehow, is, despite starting Mike Fultonevich and Eric Fetty every single week. <laughs> my team is so bad, man. It's, uh, the 24 teamer. Yeah, it's look, it's Dynasty League. We gotta we gotta rebuild. I did want to highlight some Nationals hitters who maybe, hopefully, they're coming around. Victor Robles had five hits with three RBI and two steals this weekend. So. Hopefully he can build off of it. Same thing with Josh Bell. He sat out on Sunday, but he had four hits with a home run and five RBI in his previous three games before that. Kyle Schwarber's last seven games, he's batting 321 with three homers, one steal. He is 65% rostered. Seven games this upcoming week, all against right-handed pitching. So maybe Schwarber's a name you want to look at as well. Wanted to highlight a few Rockies hitters. Josh Fuentes has 11 hits with two homers and 13 RBI over his last five games. All of those games have been in Coors Field. He is 17% rostered. Uh, Jonathan Daza has started five straight. He has 13 hits during that span, so doing very well. Connor Joe, another one, NL only leagues. He has started eight straight for the Rockies. He has 10 hits. Now now that's a guy I'm kind of interested in, Connor Joe. All right, tell me, Scott. Well, just look (laughs) at his minor league numbers. On-base machine. Um, and remember, he got he got a chance at the start of the year for the Giants two years ago, and everyone was kind of hyping him up then. Ended up going one for 15. We thought we'd never hear from him again. But he's getting it done for the Rockies. So yeah, 2019, uh, 300 batting average, 426 OBP, 15 homers in 105 games. The year before, it's really strong too, between double and triple A. Similar numbers. And uh, yeah, I mean, the Rockies like... They have a lot of holes in that lineup. I don't know if he keeps if he keeps reaching base at a 400 clip or better. I I think they'd I think they'd uh, give Connor Joe a chance and anybody who's getting regular playing time with Coors Field in the equation as a chance to be a, a a factor in fantasy. You know, Sam Hilliard's out of there. They sent him down. Uh, there there might be room here for Connor Joe. Somebody to keep an eye on. Connor Joe, one percent rostered on CBS Sports leagues the call to the pen some bullpen updates from the weekend for the san francisco giants jake mcgee entered on friday with runners on first and second in a one-run game he allowed a game tying single to brian reynolds then on saturday jake mcgee allowed three hits and two runs in a tie game he took the loss tyler rogers on sunday picked up his fourth save jake mcgee had worked two straight as mentioned and four of the last six tyler rogers is 29 percent rostered Guys, you think we're closer to him potentially taking over here? I know Gabe Kapler has already mentioned uh, he Tyler Rogers is going to work his way in. Yeah, I mean, Jake McGee, since about the middle of April, right, has been pretty much a disaster. So I, I don't know why we wouldn't see more of Rogers, Tyler Rogers. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Luizaga picked up a save for the Yankees on Friday. Matt Barnes for the Red Sox got his ninth on Friday. Uh, He allowed a two-run home run to Otani on Sunday. He took his first blown save and loss of the season. Barnes has been phenomenal besides that. Uh, Craig Kimbrell got his seventh save on Friday. He allowed two hits and two runs. He took a blown save and a loss 
on Saturday. Daniel Bard got his fourth save on Friday. Uh, Michael Givens on Sunday. He was came in for a first save in a one-run game, proceeded to allow two runs to score. He took the loss there. Daniel Bard was unavailable in that one. Uh, for the Mariners this weekend, Kendall Graveman recorded four outs across the sixth and seventh on Friday. Rafael Montero got a one-out save for his fifth of the season. And then on Sunday, Rafael Montero was used in the sixth. Kendall Graveman was used in the ninth again for his fifth save. I don't I don't think there's any rhyme or reason. I, does anyone know anything that's going on with the Mariners or I mean Graveman's the one I want. I yeah, I think yeah. I think he's the most trusted reliever and sometimes that means he's going to be used prior to the ninth. And so maybe Montero will still sneak it a save, but like Montero's already blown five saves. So I don't even know how longer he's going to be the backup plan to be honest. Yeah. He's very bad. Yeah, Kendall Graveman looks really really good as a reliever too. Yeah. So I think he's the in as much as there is a guy, I think he's the guy. Kendall Graveman is 51% rostered, so if you play in a category league, he might be available, and he's the one that we want for the Mariners. Uh, let's take a look at the Padres. Mark Melanson had two saves this weekend. He's now up to 14. He leads all of baseball in that category. For the Oakland A's, there's another fun one. Jake Diekman, he allowed a go-ahead three-run homer in the eighth inning on Saturday. He took the blown save and the loss. And then on Sunday, he came back, allowed three hits again, two runs in a two-run game. Uh, and then Lou Trevino recorded the final four outs and got the win. This one kind of seems like it's just been going back and forth between Diekman and Lou Trevino. But maybe Trevino has the leg up now with Diekman allowing runs over the weekend. Yeah, I think he does. I, I think typically when they've used Diekman in the ninth, it's because they needed Trevino in the eighth, just the way the matchups lined up. I, I think... If I had to pick one, it'd be Trevino, but they've both been pretty useful. Mm-hmm. For the Twins on Saturday, Alex Colomay pitched in the eighth inning, down 4-1 to at the time, uh, and then Hansel Robles pitched in the ninth. They took the lead. He got his first save of the yeah. season. Taylor Rogers so, was last so, used on May 13th. So the timing of that is tricky, obviously, since yep. they, they came back from down three to take the lead, and I don't know exactly when Robles was warming up, but he may have just been the guy who was warm. Having said that, Taylor Rogers has been pretty bad. We know Alex Colomay has been out of it for a while. Taylor Rogers came in on Sunday to pitch in what was a, uh, I think they were, it was a tie game. It was a tie game and actually he blew the tie. Yeah. So, I, I Robles was the guy I was speculating on in those 15-team roto leagues where you can't find saves anywhere. I won him in a couple for like 27 like 3% of my budget, basically. Um, and uh, I, I think there's a chance. I mean, obviously, he was the Angels' closer a couple years ago. I think there's a chance he's going to be the front runner now. I will say it was a... Um, it was an unearned run. It's kind of It was one of those kind of stupid unearned runs. It was a wild pitch, so like that should be an earned run because it was the pitcher who threw the pitch, but he allowed one hit. There was a fielder's choice. He got a strikeout, and the the runner was able to uh, was able to reach. So, you know, it's kind of not necessarily as bad as it looks. Maybe the Tampa Bay Rays are back, uh, okay, baby. Okay. Uh, sorry. I, it was even worse than that. He struck out the first batter, gave up a, a single. There was a fielder's choice. Uh, then Rogers, there was a fielder's choice. Rogers threw Loriano at out at third, except that the third baseman couldn't catch it. 
So Lariano reached third, also was safe at first. So two things went wrong there to uh, to lead to that. So yeah, not not sure how worrisome it is for Rogers there at least. But he he allowed runs in three yeah. in previous. I, four, I just so. don't know that they really want him closing to begin with. Uh, yeah, I, I feel so like shaky in the role. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like they want Colome there. <laughs> yeah, and they're just like now that he's looking better, he hasn't allowed a run in five appearances. I could see them going back to him. Yeah, I could do. Yeah, it's but. just one of those things where they paid for him, and yeah, it's like the politics of baseball. Like they don't know, you know, they just kind of want to yeah. prove that they made the right decision in signing him. So uh, we'll see. The Tampa Bay Rays—they are back potentially. Diego Castillo was used in the sixth inning with the Rays up four to zero on Sunday. Andrew Kittredge and Jeffrey Springs got the only two saves, while Diego Castillo was out. Do we think this is just, okay, Diego Castillo's first game back, they kind of just want to work him back in? Or <laughs> is it just a complete mess again? Uh, it could be either. Uh, neither would surprise. They were so consistent with Castillo before he got hurt, and it's not like it's not like they have a ton of closer caliber relievers in that bullpen right now. So I'm I'm not worried. I'm trying not to worry too much, but with the Rays, you, you never know. The last one I'll I mention... I would assume it's fine. I hope so. That was just like the first outing. For the Royals on Sunday, Greg Holland recorded five outs across the seventh and the eighth in a one-run game. Wade Davis then allowed two runs in the ninth. He took the blown save in the loss. Josh Stalmont was not available after pitching three of the last four days. I still think Stalmont's the guy, but uh, interesting that they used Wade Davis earlier in the game. and uh, Rather, they used Greg Holland earlier in the game and, and saved Davis for the ninth. So there you go. Royals, woo, good times. To stream or not to stream for Monday, Yusei Kikuchi versus the Tigers, Casey Mize at the Mariners, Logan Webb at the Reds, John Lester gets his revenge at the Cubs, Adbert Alzali versus the Nationals, and Jay Happ versus the White Sox. Yusei Kikuchi should not be a streamer. He should be rostered in... I mean, this is a two-star week for him. His swing strike rate has been... Up the last few starts. I know his ERA is not great, but um, I, I think you said Kikuchi should be probably 60 plus percent rostered uh, heading into a two star week. He is 71% rostered. I, okay. I usually use so, 70% as like the cutoff. So 90% then. <laughs> Get it up there. <laughs> I yeah, never Kikuchi's- know how to like judge those things unless I actually like know them. Right. I'm not sure if Kikuchi is going to be a two star pitcher for what it's worth. I know he's pitching Monday and they. In theory, that would line him up for Sunday, but the Mariners have only broke the, from the six-man rotation once all year. Mm-hmm. Maybe they will again. They have a lot of guys missing, but it, it, since he's going against Detroit the first time out, I think you can risk it in a, you know, if you're if you're, it's a weekly lineup lock league. But yeah, so Kikuchi would be number one choice here for me, followed by Alzali and Casey Mize. For Tuesday, Luis Patino at the Orioles, John Gant. Oh, we love that John Gant versus the Pirates. JT Brubaker at the Cardinals. Andrew Heaney versus Cleveland. Justin Dunn versus the Tigers. And Spencer Turnbull at the Mariners. You know, you, you make your little John Gant jokes. <laughs> and every time, like, this dude has not allowed more than three earned runs in, an, in a start all season. He's got a 183 RA. Yeah, he's got as many strikeouts as walks almost. But you know what? No, he, he's not. Uh, I think Brubaker, Heaney, 
and Turnbull are probably my favorites. Although Justin Dunn, I also like uh, a decent amount as well. I might go Gant over Turnbull, actually. But yeah, I think Heaney and Brubaker are the obvious two here. Alrighty, for Scott and Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets.